What's the exact name of this podcast? Uh, we are called the Transcendiates. That's right, the Transcendiates. Yeah, it's like idiots and okay. maybe, maybe, transcend. All right, let me just all right. put together. Did you, did you hit record on that? I think so. All right, well, I'm gonna hit record. Fingers on crossed. This. All right, well, we're gonna. Well, cheers. Okay, so here we are. First podcast ever of the Transcendiates. That's right. So maybe, maybe you might want to explain like what the heck that what that means. For, for Who us. knows what that means, honestly. I'm a transcendent. It, it goes over my head. Okay. You might know. What, what do you think it means? Uh, you know, I think I think it probably means that we're um, we're going to be talking about some pretty deep stuff, uh, but yet I think we both have an attitude of um, of being humble and, and, and acknowledging that we don't um, know everything. You know, that's definitely that last part is definitely true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think there's probably going to be you know people might leave comments calling us idiots. Oh, so, so it's very possible. Great. We're, we're preempting. <laughs> right? Oh, well, sure. I think yeah, I think it's awareness that we don't know a ton, and we hope to have guests on that, yeah. that know more than us. Um, starting with our next video. Right, right. Yeah, let's let's really hope that uh, let's really hope that, uh, that that's the case. That we can actually get these really intelligent people, uh, <laughs> educated people, on the show. Right. Well, that actually kind of uh, leads us into where we are, and we actually have a lot of opportunity for some amazing guests here at the Pacific School of Religion True. and the uh, Center for Swedenborgian Studies in Berkeley, California. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, you know we're definitely in a really unique place in the world because. I think not only do we have all these great academics, but but we have tons of different faith traditions and spiritual groups that are just all over the place. You know? Yeah, it's, it's so. beautiful. And I should say, we're all part of a consortium called the Graduate Theological Union. Right. A bunch of different religions, philosophies, mm-hmm. um, yeah, all under one consortium on one hill that we like to call Holy Hill. Um, it's it's been pretty great. I'm I'm actually only uh, here for another couple months. Right, that's right. Finishing my uh, Masters of Divinity. Right. You're in your journey as well. Yeah, yeah. About to finish my second year. So. Uh, congrats. Myself, thank you. Well, congrats to you. Oh so, well. It's been it's been one heck of a journey, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It's been good. Right. So I you know I think I think we, there's a lot of different directions we can go in this particular uh, podcast. I mean we can certainly talk about you know what happens when you get phone calls during podcasts that happens sometimes you know oh yeah i should probably silent (laughs) my phone which is actually this camera yeah so of course so cory cory's about to get up and do this and he's gonna well i turn on the light yeah maybe maybe that's not a bad it might not be nothing i don't know if it's really affecting very much but this is what you know it's like the first episode we're gonna see different things that happen I think it's good to learn as you go. I mean, you want to prepare. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times we get bogged down and, okay, I have to be, I already have to be in my A game. Oh, yeah. And I haven't even, you know, yeah. I haven't even done it once, right? No, so. no, no. Totally not necessary to be on, on any sort of A game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think that the, the purpose of this podcast really is just to talk about, you know, what does it mean to be um, spiritual people, I guess. That's like, I think one thing that we talked about, you know, that it's, um, what does that even mean? And how, how are people, how do people experience spirituality here in the 21st century? Um, maybe not necessarily only here in Berkeley, but, yeah. uh, just in general. And they may not call it spirituality. It could just be living. Yeah. And that's another interesting yeah. thing. How, you know, we, we all have different words for similar things mm-hmm. and we discount some ideas Right. over others, but I think there's a lot of common ground right. once we get past that. Right, exactly, exactly. So, so you know, we, we have we have a couple ideas that we talked about that we could go into. It, it seems like we, we, you and I both have an interest in really analyzing um, film and, and, and books and really trying to take, you know, tease out what's the, um, what might be the philosophical or political or spiritual messages that come that come out of these things in popular culture right now? Yeah, you know we have creative geniuses that whether they know it or not portray things, uh, plot and characters that um, at least we think have some sort of significance and, and meaning, right? Yeah, um, so, definitely. 
and, and clearly, you know, the, the wider culture does too, because we, we right. talk about these things all day right. in social media. That's right. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe a good place to start since, I mean, well, you know, this is something, well, I mean, there are two movies we talked about before we went live, and I think there are two movies right now that, like, everyone right now is talking about, and I see no reason why we shouldn't talk about them, but... Phantom Thread. Was, right. It was good, but... <laughs> That's right. That's right. Let's talk about the Murder on the Orient Express for the next hour. Oh, you know? okay. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, but... Uh, if it's it's no it's I mean it's no surprise when you go online right now the two movies especially on YouTube when you go on there the two movies that are getting the most uh, airtime and analysis is, is Star Wars Episode Eight The Last Jedi and Black Panther <laughs> right right I've now, heard of those yes yeah. right those two movies definitely are being talked about a lot but I think I've, I think the thing is, is that people um, they are they're they're, fo- they're being fo- people are focusing on those two films. I think largely, at least from what I can tell, totally looking at it from politics or, or, or um, you know, especially politics, maybe maybe more so with, with Black Panther, but also I think yeah. Star Wars is also getting some of that discussion as well. What's the pol- what, what politics around Star Wars? Oh, well, I mean, so th- this is really interesting because I don't know how much of this is, is really legitimate, but I know that there are a few YouTube users um, who have pointed out that it seems that Star Wars The Last Jedi has a little bit more um, overt political elements to it uh, yeah. than, than, in other, than the other films. So I, I don't know if, if you agree with that or if you see that, but that's certainly one complaint, is that there seems to be a um, very left-leaning political um, ideology that's been infused into the film, and people, some people don't seem to like that. Sure. Well, I could see that that it would be kind of guys as like a progressive message, but I think even the right, uh, you know, they're not, we're not, none of us are really into tyranny, mm-hmm. although sometimes our, our actions, you know, uh, belie our words or, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. Just kind of a rejection of a certain approach to <laughs> leadership and domination. Yeah. Right. Which, um, like you said, a lot of these stories speak to us on like that political level, the spiritual level as well, where we can kind of relate these things um, to our own life, uh, whether that's how we treat other people, if we're kind of oriented towards, okay, my way or the highway, mm-hmm. or even how we just you know approach um, any type of affectional thing in our life. Sometimes we, we're not willing to reflect on ourselves and we want to dominate and control. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, that's unhealthy for all of us, not just for those being oppressed. <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, and, and you know, I think that there's, I mean, it seems like people who are really looking at The Last Jedi are, are you know, the, the big complaints I've seen is just the way that the story is told. So you've got kind of like the storytelling aesthetics is being critiqued pretty heavily <clears throat> by some. And then you, you also have a few of those folks, a few of those folks, then drag in the, uh, the political uh, concepts into their critique. But honestly, I think most of the videos I've seen have really been um, uh, upset about the way in which the story was told. Um, and well, what do you think about how the story was told? So yeah, I went, I went back and forth on this for a while. And, I, and my, own pro, my own personal YouTube channel, I actually did a video where I, I actually said the people who didn't like this film were suffering from Star Wars amnesia, and I went into this whole, which we don't, <laughs> need, to, we don't need to get into that, really. I didn't see that video. Yeah, well, it's, it, I mean, it, I got some really They harsh forgot feedback. what Star Wars was kind of about when No, it not necessarily. I, I, the thing that I, I thought, because some of the early critiques right off the bat seemed to me that people were pissed because there weren't enough uh, details explained in the movie, and, oh. and 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 I was really confused by that attitude because one thing that um, I love about Star Wars as a living mythology, maybe we can talk more about that concept, you know, later on. But you know, as a living mythology, it um, it's really interesting because it's never been the the mythology has never been told by just one person, right? I mean, George Lucas was the main, was the originator. He was the uh, the guy who was kind of overseeing. <clears throat> all the stuff that became like the comic books and the novels and the video games and rejecting and, the holiday special, right? Right, right, exactly right. Making that very good conscious decision. <laughs> Which, if you haven't seen it, you gotta check it out. 
Yeah, you know, we, we can compare and contrast the holiday special with the last Jedi. Um, the Bubba Fett was introduced in the holiday special. That's true. That's true. See, and so there you go, right? And so yeah. then there's this real cartoon. This, that's right. So there, there, there really is this question of, you know, how much information do you expect to be seen in the film? And then there has been this legacy of supporting material that comes out that helps explain some of the little details. Like the novels. Yeah, the, or the visual dictionaries. All it's like all these different things. And so, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, I can see where... So so I really I really fixated on that in this mm. video I, of mine. And, and, and I basically said, look, if, you're, if, you, if you forget this, this truth, as far as I can see it, about the way Star Wars is how how we how we come to appreciate it or understand the bigger picture, um, you're you're gonna uh, run the risk of not liking this movie. Well, I can tell you that I got some really interesting feedback from people who watched that that video of mine. I basically said, you're you know, someone so far as to say this is not what the problem is. Uh, they completely yeah. rejected my critique. I think I had one person who told me that they they could see where maybe some people didn't like it for that reason. But that that was not capturing the overall critique of the film. Like what? Why they really didn't like it? Exactly. Um, and, and I thought about that because I think I made that video like after I saw it for the first time, and I've seen the movie now three times. You know, the, the third time was with was with with you yeah. and a few of other people we know. Yeah. That was the third time that I saw it, and I have to say that uh, you know now I can uh, after really looking at all these different critiques and and and. Analyses of the film, I I, I think my, my my attitude towards it is slowly changing, and I can kind of see why some of the critiques are there. You're becoming more critical of it. Yeah, in fact, I, I would go so far as to admit that when I when I made that first video of mine, I think I liked it 95. percent huh. um, Now I have to be honest and say that I think I liked it about 50. percent Dang, that's a big jump. It what's, is. What's the key critique there? <clears throat> I do see the critique about the story, about the way the story is told. Which is one. Well, so you have, right, so you have, uh, oh, I should say at this point, spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, so, right, like, like I feel like everybody has to do that. If you haven't seen this Please movie, stop. Uh, yeah, yeah, two minutes. That's right, minutes. that's right. Yeah, if you haven't yeah. seen Star Wars. If you haven't seen Star Wars, The Last Jedi, <laughs> this is your last warning. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I mean, the film has three main story arcs to it. And, and there's a couple things. One, there were things about this new trilogy that are different from the other two trilogies. One, that J.J. Uh, Abrams directed The Force Awakens. And one thing that J.J. Abrams is really good at doing, or I don't know, I should say he's really good at doing, but a style that he has in storytelling, is he asks a lot of questions. Right, so J.J. Abrams is, better, is best known for like some of the newer Star Trek films, um, and also Lost. And yeah. if you've seen Lost, which I'm sure at some point we could have a whole episode talking about Lost. I haven't seen Lost, though. You haven't? Okay, yeah, well, no, I should. So you have homework, so. All right. <laughs> um, but J.J. Abrams is really good at basically um, driving a plot by asking tons of questions. So what he'll do is he'll say, all right, let me propose these five or six mysteries, and then the plot rides on um, either answering some of those questions or going through several seasons with just asking more and more questions. And, and that's one way he tells the story. Go ahead. That's what he did with Force Awakens that he asked. Oh, he asked a good. I he mean, did like, like he inserted some mystery there. Snoke, who's Ray's Snoke? parents. Yes, yes. You know, right? What's going on with uh, you know Luke Skywalker? Right, right. right. Like, where is he? Why did he yeah. go into exile? Uh, and then, and why are the Han Solo scenes on the ship so terribly done? No, that's just, <laughs> this is my opinion. <laughs> right, right. Or, or, or to ask the question like. Um, you know, how did Ben Solo get turned to the dark side? Yeah. Uh, how did Maz Katana get Luke's lightsaber, the blue one, right? Yeah, but you got to be really, like, into the details. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but you're right. Yeah, but, all that stuff. But here's the thing, and I agree, and I agree. Now, and now normally, and this is something that I was really reflecting on, uh, since seeing it for the first time, seeing it two subsequent times, and now arriving at this point, the thing is, is that... <clears throat> The, if, if you compare it quickly, and I'll do this as quick as possible, if you compare this film to Phantom Menace and, and to New Hope, the yeah. first of the two other trilogies, what you find is that there's not a lot of these mysteries that occur, right? When you finish A New Hope, there are probably the only questions you have are what's the Clone Wars? 
because Obi-Wan tells Luke, oh yeah, I, I fought in the Clone Wars with your father, right? And for yeah. decades, people are like, what the hell is the, the Clone Wars, right? All you knew is that it was just this war, right? And that means that there's no details. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I guess you could ask a question, like, maybe I want to know more about what the Jedi are, what the Force is, or who Vader is. But, yeah, like, what's going to happen next. Right, but it was very, but it was pretty, very contained. And that was yeah. purposeful, to be fair. Because George Lucas thought that was going to be the only He didn't movie, know, yeah. Right? Yeah. So he had to kind of like put a nice bow on that, right? But here's the thing. When you watch Phantom Menace, we kind of know what's going to happen in that prequel trilogy. We know that it's going to be about how Anakin becomes Darth Vader. But when you watch Phantom Menace, really the only question you're asking maybe by the end of that movie is, who, maybe like, who was Darth Maul exactly? That might, be, that might be like the only question you have asked. Or like, uh, you know, sure. they, they, they introduce a virgin birth motif for Anakin. So how does this translate to the critique of eight? That there right, are they, a they, lot they, of right. questions? Right, right. So so unlike these other two films, J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams actually actively brings us to these points where there's just tons of mystery, right? So you just, you just mentioned them. Like, really, who is Snow? Who are Ray's parents? Like it's very obvious that should be an important plot thread because he has, you know, she has this vision and she is saying to like multiple characters, "I want to know where my pa- who my parents are." So, so this is like a driving thing of like, who is she? And then, and then which, really, which is what JJ, all those mysteries JJ established in seven. So he establishes a little different than, than one the other one. and four, right? Okay. And, and so, and so, and so you might you so exa- so to ask the question, well, should you care so much about the details? Well, maybe not, but if the mysteries are shoved in your face, you're going to start asking those questions, right? That's a good point, actually, yeah. Yeah, because there is a critique of fandom after, between 7 and 8, of, like, trying to come up with these different, uh, we're coming up with these different theories as to each of these things. And you're right, it actually, it invites those questions. It wasn't just fans going crazy, it was like, this is a mystery. Exactly. What What is it? Exactly. You know, and yeah. to be fair, in my video, on my channel, I actually critique people for going in with too many expectations. Now, I can acknowledge that's an unfair, in retrospect, going in that, 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 that's an unfair critique of people going in, because if you think about it, well, why wouldn't they go in? Yeah, that's good questions, point. right? Yeah. So then you have to ask the question, uh, okay, so how does Ryan Johnson in The Last Jedi deal with some of these questions? Director, yeah. The, yeah, the director of the Last Jedi. Um, and, did he write it? Yeah, he did. Yeah, <clears throat> and it just actually, it's this, if you want to be current with this podcast, Daisy Ridley, the actress who plays Ray, just Daisy Ridley. Riley? Is it Ridley or Riley? I think it's Riley. Oh, whatever. Anyway, most call her Ray. Right? Okay. <laughs> so, so how could we check that? Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> we just go on the computer. But um, <laughs> no, I don't want to. No, 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 no. I'm just moving the mouse a little bit. But, but, but uh, I think it's Ridley. But, but whatever. You're probably right. We can take that on it. But the point is that you know, the actress who plays Bray, we know her name is Daisy. Daisy. So Daisy, in a, in a tweet or in an interview, I think yesterday, oh, March yeah. 1st, actually admitted that after J.J. Abrams wrote uh, in, uh, the script, the story for The Last, or for Force Awakens, which he did in collaboration with the uh, screenwriter who did Empire Strikes Back. Oh, uh, whose name great. is escaping me, right? Yeah. Um, after he did that, he actually did an outline for episodes eight and nine, which a lot of people apparently did not know. Hmm. And so there was an actual overarching vision behind how the, these plots were going to keep rolling, right, mm-hmm. through episode eight and nine. And I guess what Daisy admits is that Ryan Johnson looked at the outline for episode eight and just went, I'm just gonna go with my own thing. So in other words, he trashed the outline. I think he kept some things, huh. but he yeah. overall, he trashed the well, outline. He was giving cards blush, is what I read. <clears throat> he, yes, he was, but yeah. but you have to think like, okay, so wow, he, so he basically trashes that outline and then just kind of goes with what he wants to do. And we see the result yeah. with The Last Jedi, right? Yeah. Um, there's something else to consider too, and we can talk about if we want. We can go well, besides yeah, yeah. besides that next point, so yeah. how does just in like a nutshell, why? So what's the critique of eight? That the storytelling sucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Yeah. no, no. I mean, okay. well, here's the thing. So, like, there, again, there are three plot threads in that movie. There's the whole Luke, Snoke, Ray, Kylo arc. Right? Yeah. There's like or, or for we call it the Force users arc. Then there's um, Finn and Poe, and the, and, and, or, or we could just say Poe and Leia and the Resistance arc, 
And then there's that subplot with with Finn and Rose. Well, going. people critique that stuff because it doesn't actually end up doing anything. Okay. Right? Is right. that one of them? That, so that's that's one of the critiques, is that it's like it seems sort of irrelevant. Those two threads end up feeling irrelevant, especially the um, the Canto by you know, Finn and Rose going off on their little adventure. It almost feels like it's completely just um, uh, insignificant. Which I'm sure people have plenty of retorts, you know, like, what's the significance of any of this? We, sure. We want to enjoy the adventure of... Sure. Yeah. Sure. That, that, that could be a retort. Um, I, think, I think another thing is, like, yeah, there's not a lot of obvious development of, of the characters, which, I, which to be fair, huh. this movie, if you look at the time lapse, this is another thing about this movie, different, number eight, that's different from the others. Is if you look at the other two trilogies, the time skip between the first episode in the given trilogy mm-hmm. to the next one is significant. Like we're talking three plus years, right? That the characters have grown in between the films, and they they show that on screen, right? They look older. The way they they, they in the dialogue they, they mention things that have happened in between the films off camera, and we can see yeah. that their relationship has changed in some way. Look at Force Awakens and Last Jedi. It literally starts exactly where the Force Awakens left off. So literally, the time skip is like not really any time skip, right? It's like an hour. Let's give it an hour between seven and eight, right? Well, maybe that's a good thing. So Disney can't insert like seven movies in between. <laughs> maybe, maybe I, it's possible, but it's also it, it breaks that mold of of seeing that character development oh, yeah. suggested, right? And that so that makes it different too. Um, and so as a result, because basically what you're saying is that these two films are so close in time that we really won't see significant growth for the characters. Because how could you, right? How could you go from just like a week's worth of adventuring and not and actually expect to see huge significant growth, whereas Anakin grows from being a little annoying kid and fan of menace to a older Padawan learner in Attack of the Clones that is obviously he's grown because, well... Time elapsed, but that, right? that 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 the prequels aren't the standard. No, 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 they're not. They're not. No, nor <laughs> and, and I will say this: I'm probably going to piss some people off here. What I think the sequels are better than the prequels overall. I think the sequel the, movies are better than the prequels. Yeah, I could totally you know, agree. Right. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm at the ninety percent positive towards eight. You know, I haven't I haven't been as critical like reviewing it. I haven't done as much reflection as you have on it. I think, right. but I, I I loved it honestly. Yeah, I thought it was a beautiful film. Sure, you know some of those like I'm gonna answer this mystery with, you know, something seemingly mundane, and yet the way people react to it, like you know, kind of points out that oh this this has a lot of meaning for them, despite yeah. them acting like it's t- taken away from them. So for example, Ray's parents turning out to be nobody, nobody, right? As far as that movie says, right? Right. And and people were upset that oh well we we had all these theories you know and it turns out like that was for not but in actuality that's actually a pretty you know that's a heavy reveal it's like because with Star Wars there's this tendency to connect everything to these family lines like the yes. Skywalkers you sure. know the prequels are all about just like family history mm-hmm. you know um, and there's really there's not a lot of mystery in the prequels which is part of the reason I think so many people don't really enjoy them as much. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, 4 may not have had the type of mystery that J.J. Abrams included, but it had the mystery of being new, mm-hmm. and then you don't know where this is going. I mean, we're in, we're in space. What, what is the Force? Like, what, what are all these things? Sure. Um, and I, I just love, like, uh, Kylo Ren betraying mm-hmm. Snoke and, like, oh, all yeah. those. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think that something can be said about the surprise twist. You know, and, and, but I think there and then there's this theme of disappointment, right? I mean, there are two themes that are summed up, or actually, I should say, three themes that are summed up by the characters in the movie. Yoda's basically saying failure is the greatest teacher. Luke says to Ray, "This is not going to go the way you think," and uh, Kylo Ren or Ben Solo says, "You have to burn down the past. You know, kill it if you have to. You become the person." And, there, right. and there's also the recapturing of the past. Yes. Despite all that. Right. Too, right. right. Yeah. So so I think another thing about Ryan Johnson that perhaps is different from the other uh, films and what makes eight different is that uh, there are two ways, in my, in my opinion, and I'm sure, I mean, I don't want to say these are the only two ways, but there are two ways that you can tell a story. 
You can either have a plot that's really, and the plot is very external and on the surface. And then beneath the external plot are themes or big ideas that are kind of beneath the surface, right? So that like you're not hitting the audience over the head with your messages and themes, but the plot is, is caring, is being supported by these themes. Um, in my opinion, Last Jedi reverses that. So Ryan Johnson, I think, had these big messages, these big themes, which are not bad messages or bad themes. In fact, it, it gets us talking, right? Like yeah. about the, the about the past, future, destiny, um, failure, right? These are all these things that I think are really important to consider. Yeah. And he has the themes, in my opinion, beyond the surface, and the story is basically trying to act as the foundation for these big themes. So he kind of reverses the way that the story is told, usually at least in the Star Wars uh, saga. Yeah. And for better or for worse, I think that 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 is uh, you know that was his decision. And I think some people were kind of like, yeah. What? Well, I think he almost like summarizes some of the themes in moments. Yes. He's yeah. like, this is a theme. This is a big right. bad person. You know, eventually they're gonna beat him. They beat him. He's dead. Yeah. You know, here's, you know, and then, and then it twists some of the things like Darth Vader actually becoming the emperor. Right. 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 right, like, right yeah. In a sense. Exactly, right. Exactly. Which is actually, I find very kind of captivating and interesting. Oh yeah. 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 I personally had no, no problems with that. Like I said, my favorite arc was the force user that, arc, yeah. okay. you know? And, and so I actually don't have very many critiques of well, the force. You know, people were complaining about how Luke was portrayed. I love the way Luke was portrayed. Yeah. Um, I love Kylo Ren killing Snoke, and and that I mean, th to me that scene, and this happened in the, the third viewing, which I saw with you. Mm -hmm. I I went into that thinking, okay, I'm just gonna kind of be a sponge and just let this stuff happen. And I'm gonna kind of like really feel what my reactions are to these different different huh. parts of the film. And I tell you, I I still got major goosebumps when when Snoke is sitting there going, and yeah. I can see him, and blah blah blah, and he's not gonna betray me, and then boom. <laughs> right, the lightsaber, and he yeah. looks down, and then that great shot of, of, of the lights, you uh, see it beautiful. going through. That whole scene is so whole thing. beautifully made. Awesome. Amazing. And, and, and I had goosebumps from start to finish of that sequence, and yeah. that tells you just how beautiful that scene is. Okay, I think I'm going to jump on your bandwagon right here, okay. because I guess your critique is mainly around those other story arcs, especially around infiltrating that the gambling, mm -hmm. whatever rich people hang out with. The, right, with the can, Canto Bite. Can't abide. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of that's kind of lackluster in comparison. Yeah, you know, um, but not to, to totally shift gears. Uh, but what about Black Panther? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, so here's the thing about Black Panther: if you want to compare the two films, right? I, I first off, I loved Black Panther. In fact, I, I I honestly don't have. I walked out of the theater not thinking, okay, I'm gonna think differently about this movie in like two months. Like I actually loved the whole thing from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, yes, and I think the thing about this film that they did a great job of doing was this balance between, um, again, like it's really difficult to have your themes, your messages, and the plot, the action, yeah. right, the narrative. It's hard sometimes to find that perfect balance. Uh, and, I, and again, I think that some, some directors or some authors choose which one to emphasize, right? Black Panther, mm -hmm. I think, did a great job of actually having a pretty good balance. You know, there, the, the story was great. Yeah. The messages were well represented. You know, um, and there was no Most sacrifice. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. I have my own critique of okay. it, but sure. I actually love the film. Yeah, yeah. 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 Go, yeah. Go. No, wait, keep going. No, well, I, I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah, so because of that, I was kind of reflecting on it and going, okay, they, they, this, this overall is a great movie because of that. They actually tried to strike a really good balance with, with, with those two areas. Yeah. And, uh, and also, I mentioned this when we were talking earlier, that I loved the fact that the villain was given so much backstory. You know, and, and thinking about it, the only it was other... beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I, I found myself kind of going, wow, they really made this villain feel human. They did other him, because a lot of villains are very othered. Right, it's kind of like oh, he's yeah. just—they're just the terrorist, they're just the tyrant, they're just that—and they actually made him have like a purpose. He was a deep character. I mean, some of his moments, like when he takes over, yeah. and uh, the camera starts kind of upside down, and the yeah, yeah, you yeah. know the the uh, hip hop music's playing—it's really a powerful beat, at least. Uh -huh. And it's just like a beautiful moment, even though you know this is like not a good thing at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> right, you're kind of happy for. But that kind of rel that relates to my critique, and it's not—I haven't read a lot of reviews of it, but sure. it's not one I've seen. And my critique is 
so first of all, I love the film. I thought its its messaging mm -hmm. was on point. Very relevant film. I mean, uh, inspiring so many people in so many different positive ways. Sure. Uh, so I want to I want to say that a thousand times before I say this critique. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, the only Black American in the film, the only Black American character, some of the actors were American, um, was the villain who dies, and he and he's kind of gangster and he murders a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, how that's that's every American film, you know, like. So that's my critique. Is like, yes, okay, this this has really positive uh, messaging for for black people anywhere, because mm -hmm. um, it's nice just to see other black people mm -hmm. on the film, especially such a beautiful, well done movie. Right. But the only black American character, literally, that I could name, yes, dies. True, and he's the, and also that's that tends to be, and I've run into, and I'm not saying I shouldn't say tends because I haven't met. A ton of Africans, but I've met Africans who have like this idea of American black people as being too ghettoized, and it's like a term I've heard. And I've also seen that theme explored in certain like films. Um, and so sometimes, like some Africans have like a tendency to to paint black Americans as ghettoized, and the only black American in that movie is ghettoized. I see. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I appreciate you you sharing that thought, and I I wonder. I'm curious now to know why that isn't something that people can point to. Because what I, what I yeah. Because what I heard, what I heard, almost joking, and yet of course some really hypersensitive people were critiquing this, is that 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 like the first character to die in the movie. Um, of course, I don't think this is true. Now, I actually heard someone say that the first character to die was. Um, the act, the white actor who plays um, Golem, and ironically Snoke in, in the Last yeah. Jedi. Uh, you know, what's the Andy Circus? I think is his name. Um, and that was kind of. I, I saw a headline: the two white people guys in that movie are both from Lord of the Rings. Right, so they're the, they're the Tolkien white. They're guys. the Tolkien white. They're the Tolkien white guys, guys right? And um, so, yeah, and, and, but I think it's interesting that that people were fixated on the fact that he dies. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, I guess if you, I don't know at what point. But does he? No. Right. Right. Well, uh, right. Uh, that should be an ongoing joke. Does Andy Serkis's characters really die when they, when they appear to die in his films? Um, okay, so he was the first one to die. Right, and so some people were kind of like, "Oh, well." I think some people were. I think some people were kind of like pissed about that. I don't know why. I'm not really sure. I, I just heard that. I heard that, but I, but then I also heard. I also heard that it was interesting because people were like, "Wow, this is great." The first person to die in a movie is actually a white guy, right? Because there's like this ongoing thing, about, especially in horror films, unfortunately. In horror films where um, the black actor is the first person to die. Oh, yeah, a lot of in, things. In almost yeah. all horror films. I got really annoyed with this last season of Gotham because it kept introducing these like supporting bad uh -huh. characters that are black men. Oh, and they give them like really flamboyant lines. And then the, the evil character that they work for ends up murdering them. Like wow. very flamboyant. That doesn't happen to any other character. It happened like four times in a row, okay. and I was just like, "Oh, come on, Gotham!" Like I yeah. wanna, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, Side criticism, right? Right. But no. But it's an. But it's an important one, though. It's an important one, and I and I and I and I, and I really appreciate your point of saying that. You know, what does it say when the um, you know, when the African American is the is the, is the character that uh, that dies in terms of the. Um, that particular, uh, at least for a major character, which one dies, right? Mm -hmm. who, who experiences the tragedy? The tragedy is the um, the African American, not not the um, the African characters, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, well, yeah, and then like what the outreach at the end is setting up shop in Oakland, which is right, just right. a couple miles from here, right? You know? Right, yeah. Well, one of the few times you will actually see Oakland, you know, in, in a movie, you know, yeah. clearly. I was kind of like when I saw the. Zodiac movie and it said Vallejo, California. And I saw the movie in Vallejo and everyone was oh, like, cool. woo! You know, because how often that's that? how I felt about Drag Me to Hell. I saw it in Pasadena. Oh, was, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like on the, I don't know if you know that movie at all. I do. But it's one of Sam Raimi's best horror films. Um, at the end, like she, well, it takes place on a, um, a stop, like a metro stop. Yeah, yeah. And I was like just on that. That's in funny. that same place, it was funny. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. So, so then, so what does it say then? I mean, what what are your thoughts about? I mean, you raised this critique, and I'm glad you pointed it out. So, so what are your thoughts on the reasoning behind 
why does the villain have to die in this well, movie? And, well, the first thing I'll say is like you have to be somewhat aware of like black culture to even have that critique because I mean most most of the time we're not we we don't see black culture portrayed in media and that's a that's a travesty that's a tragedy and um, so that's the that's the deep beauty of this movie was that it was so, I mean it's such a astounding piece of art sure. like don't get me wrong absolutely um, but but you have to like know black culture for that and we just don't as a society. Um, but, you know, my critique is from my own experience. I'm biracial, and so I have a little bit more awareness of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I certainly did. That thought did not cross my mind when, yeah. I, when I was watching it. I actually, my, my thought was I didn't want the villain to die. There was a part of me that really thought oh, that yeah, he could be too. saved. Yeah, I, was, and, I cried at that scene. Did you? I yeah. Did. I mean, it, it hit me. I was sitting there going, well, why does he need to die? I mean, you know, what, what, why was that decision made? I kind of wanted more of a, re of a redemption. Um, for like, yeah. You know, and, and, and I just, I, anyway. Like, I'd rather die than be put in prison. Right. Well, and that's because this is another, this is a real criticism of our prison system. Sure. Like, it's it's not rehabilitative at all. Right. Rehabilitative, whatever yeah. the word is. Right. Um, I mean, it's, it's capitalistic. Sure. We could do so much more with our resources in terms of like really caring about the people that we lock away mm -hmm. and, and we say, oh, well, you're a criminal and you deserve this punishment. Right. You know, that's never what it should be about. Right. It should be about reformation. And then just think about it. Think about all the people, uh, you know, who, who have had their lives ruined because of drugs, um, you know, whether, you know, through the drugs themselves and then the prison system, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, putting them away for that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think we could do a lot better, um, you know, with, with that system. And then people wouldn't rather die than go to prison, right? Right, you know? right. So, maybe, you know, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good point. You know? and, I, and I'm just thinking, because I, sometimes I like to put myself just in the mind of the world of the, of the movie or the plot. And I'm thinking, well, if he was, uh, like, what would they have done with him if they could, you know? I yeah, like, what, how, is, how does he there, know how they're going to treat are him? Are there prisons in Wakanda? And yeah. if there are, I would imagine the Wakandan... Uh, based on how advanced they are compared to the rest of the world, I would imagine their prison system is sort of like like I'm thinking in our world, yeah. the prison system in Norway is like that the prisoners get their own key to their own cells, yes. and, they, and they, they're they're really focusing on rehabilitation. I'm thinking, yeah. well, if Norway pulls that off in the real world, in a fictionalized country like Wakanda, which is uh, meant to represent this advancement that um, could actually help improve the rest of the world. Yeah. I would imagine that the prison system of Wakanda is actually like really good. And so I, I you know, I'm just saying like, yeah. if they could have re rehabilitated him in the Wakandan prison, would, you know, maybe that would have been a major chance for reformation as opposed to uh, the harshness of, uh, you know, sending him off to a, to a, uh, you know, a prison that's in the United States, right? So, yeah. I, I, you know... Well, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and yeah, you're right. So, the Wakanda is like this culturally advanced, technologically advanced mm -hmm. civilization. Right. So, you would expect, like, pro really progressive, I would imagine. beautiful prison system. But they probably knew that was pretty... That's a, that's a hard nut to crack, presenting that in film. Because if he had survived and they had locked him up, I mean, maybe they probably wouldn't have to address that again. Right, but maybe it's just me. I would want to see it. You yeah, know? well, and, and maybe they could have. Maybe they wouldn't have shown it on film. Yeah, go ahead and check that. Uh, maybe they wouldn't have put it on film. But you know, one thing that they that they really uh, could have done because I'm thinking, let's contrast this with another villain that's pretty popular right now, or at least maybe has a little bit more depth than some of the other characters is Loki. Right. Yeah. Loki kind of goes through this sort of shift where it's like villain. A brother, and then he is locked up, and then like so, like his character is never the same in every movie that he appears in, right? He kind yeah. of goes through these these really nuanced changes, mm -hmm. and and yet, I mean, you know, he's he, kind of reformed in some a ways, little bit. right? By the time you get to like Thor Ragnarok, he's not like he, he's really not like a, a harsh villain in Thor yeah. Ragnarok, at least from my recollection of it. I mean, I'm not recalling. He's, it's right. almost like he's reformed because audiences like him so much you know it's like, right so that i'm thinking well if you can reform that villain then why can't you reform um the villain from black panther yeah maybe they'll revive him maybe it turns out he's not dead see. Like, <laughs> people put him in like yeah they dipped him back into the the flower powder and... that's right that's right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah 
But it's, yeah, I, I, I do appreciate you raising that point because, yes, I mean, certainly from your experience and, and your background, um, you know, I could see where that would jump out at you. Whereas I was sitting there like, that totally just didn't even come into my mind, you know, in terms of, the, mm -hmm. you know, thinking, okay, well, he's dead and, and thinking about, well, he's the African-American character. You know, I think, yeah. I, I think I kept recalling that his going far back enough, really he was a son of a person from Wakanda, so I sort of just kind of collapsed him into... Other society. That, but that, he clearly... Right. Well, that was his whole thing. He's the outsider to him, right. you know, and he's been affected by his, the way <clears throat> they let him, right. you know, be raised in this tough environment. Exactly. Right. But you know this 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 movie invites these types of questions. Sure. And, um, well, the beauty of it is that you you know it it is a bunch of black faces, mm -hmm. you know, and that's really powerful mm -hmm. in just like a fundamental physical way, like just seeing people like you or seeing people different than you mm -hmm. portrayed in such beautiful fashion. Absolutely. Um, you know, and all the cultural implications for it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. But I love the movie. Yeah, I, I, like I said I absolutely loved it. And if I had, you know, like I said, comparing it to the Last Jedi, um, I felt like I didn't. There was no need for me to really critique the film. I actually hmm. thought it was pretty flawless overall. Yeah. Um, I actually, honestly, can't think of a single thing in this movie that, that where I, I sat there and kind of went, I don't think I like that. Everything actually felt really, really good yeah. overall in terms of uh, narrative and in terms of themes being presented. Um, you know, and and I was so it was it was interesting to link that to to the Last Jedi in terms of how the story is told. And, 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 and yeah, what's, what's the emphasis? So that Black Panther is the clear winner of those two for you. I think in terms of like the you know just just the story and the way it's told, and again in balance with the with the themes, I think it definitely succeeds much better than Last Jedi. You know. Yeah. Well, and so maybe for you know a little bit of our context, we're both here as Sweden Borgians right. um, at the Center for Swedenborgian Studies. And, right. um, and so we actually, you know, what I love about uh, Swedenborgianism, it's like a mystical kind of pluralistic Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, there's not a lot of Christianities that you can call like pluralistic towards other religions. Sure. There's a lot of Christians like yeah. that, I think. Yeah. Um, and so that's one thing I really enjoy, but when it comes to looking at stories, um, looking at um, arcs like in the Last Jedi and and uh, Black Panthers. In our tradition, we we look at it as kind of like a meta narrative of our own progression. How we can kind of reject some of our more evil like intentions and um, whatever our religion really, and, and kind of accept more altruistic, mm -hmm. loving ones. And that's like a process that goes on, you know, our entire lives. Um, do you see like any type of like symbolic narratives? And, these flicks. Oh yeah, I mean, I I haven't really thought about. I mean, I haven't meditated that long on the on Black Panther, you know, enough to be able to. I feel yeah. adequately, adequately answer that question. I mean, I, I know I can think of some things, um, but I, I've had more time to spend thinking about this for the Last Jedi. Um, I, yeah, I do think the whole Force user arc of, uh, you know, essentially these themes of exile, you know, kind of having to reform yourself, taking, taking time, yeah. like how Luke basically becomes this hermit and separates himself from the, from the galaxy in order to really um, contemplate his, his, who he is and what his, um, you know, uh, how he's supposed to proceed from, from, from where he's at in the last Jedi, because uh, his motives were pretty clear. He wanted to, uh, started a new Jedi Academy, and then literally that went up in flames, right? And it was a it was a failure moment for for somebody who had um, put a lot of energy into this uh, becoming a Jedi Master, wanting to train a new generation. And he kind of reflects on that that motive that he had, that the whole, whole Jedi right. idea, and right. becomes really critical of it. Yes, and it's like you know this isn't really healthy. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. and I think. That his critique of the Jedi and even the Sith, you know, is I think the movie the big thing like a big Swedenborgian thing that came up for me when I was watching the, the movie was the notion of a, of a of a new uh, we want, we call it a new church, but you know it's like there are these um, major historical and and individual 
developments that happen, right? So we, you know, people go through a journey of transformation, and whole groups go through a journey of transformation. Yeah. And so, uh, a big important two really important groups in the Star Wars saga are the light side use force users and the dark side force users, whether we call it Jedi and Sith or whatever. And I think that Luke's point of saying that the that the Jedi, uh, the attitude of the Jedi, if the Jedi die, the light dies, is that that's considered vanity. Um, I think that that's a really nice theme when it comes to organized religion. I, I, I think yeah. I, I think that that's a critique of organized religion to say that if if an organized religion disappears, then you lose. <laughs> All of this, whatever it is, that everyone is just screwed, you know, screwed, lost and screwed, right? Yeah. And 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 it's just obvious that that's yeah. not that's not the case. You have to have this label, otherwise, the, you're being rejected from the right. Gates. Right. You said God's name wrong. You can't. That's right. Like that's that. right. That's right. Yeah. And, and 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 I think also there's a huge biblical theme of like not putting um, old wine into new skins. Not right. putting old wine into old. Or We're putting new, new wine, wine into, new, into old. You want to put new wine, wine into, into old skins? You don't want to. Do you that. don't want to. Do that. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Yeah. See. Yeah. We're in seminary. I promise. Anyway. Uh, but yeah. But but but. What's the Bible? <laughs> right. I don't think I have a copy of the Bible on me right now. But anyway, the, the point. You have a phone. I do. We yeah. have the internet. But but really, but, but that but, but what's that theme though? That theme is like taking something that's new and energizing, and then trying to force an old mold onto something that's new. Yeah. And I think that that's something that, that Luke brings up really well, uh, his character brings up really well in this film, is that we, you know, he, he's thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to try and restart the the Jedi Order, right? Because that worked so well the first time around, right? So he basically makes his temple, he's training students. He's well, the temple is already there. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. fair enough, yeah. And so he's, you know, he's really just trying to redo something that's been done before and yet it failed, right? Because it, as, as Luke discovers, the Jedi Order, um, at its height of power, could not prevent its own collapse yeah. and could not prevent the corruption of Anakin and Darth Vader and the rise of Darth Sidious, which Luke says. Well, let's but, be honest, like, yeah, the Jedi Order as portrayed in the prequels is kind of dogmatic. Right, they're like the Catholic Church. Yeah, well, the Catholic, well, the Catholic Church... In a sense, you know, there's a similarity in my mind because, uh, like, their priests can't marry. They can't marry. They can't have kids. And honestly, I don't. I don't necessarily think that 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 that, that should be a requirement for being a leader in any type of no religious no. faith. But who am I to say? Right. You know. Right. But but yeah. you have that structure. There's that hierarchy. There's this big organized way of doing things. And yeah. And and yet. They end up falling apart, right? And yeah. so, well, and then some of them they have to like sneak behind everyone's back because they're not allowed like certain emotion, like love right. towards like right. pers- interpersonal love towards like right, someone. which which seems really odd, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for like, yeah. Um, especially if you're if you're recruiting everyone with this power, right? And you're like everyone with this power, they can't marry. Yes, you I know. mean, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> they yeah, can't. It's a they can't even. They can't even couple up. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yet, you see the way the Force users and Jedi in the original trilogy and then in the sequels, they are totally connected interpersonally together, right? Hmm. I mean, if you look at it, Luke and Leia, um, yeah. you can see that emotion. You can see that connection. And in the sequels, you can see that connection, too. So it's very obvious that at least that part of the Jedi way has been left behind. Right, it really has been. But the thing is that, Luke, from what I can tell, Luke tries to reinstitute. We don't know to what extent, but he's tried to reinstitute something that was tried before that fails. And I think he tries to find out why did it fail. And he discovers by looking at his history that, like, oh well, uh, the Jedi Order itself failed, and so maybe this isn't. Maybe it's time for the Jedi Order to come to an end. Right now, what's interesting about that? If you compare that to the dark side in the sequel trilogy, this is interesting because again, uh, the Sith always had this emphasis that there'd be a master and apprentice relationship. Right, this is something that's in the yeah. saga, and 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 you could see Kylo Ren really wanting to be the apprentice. Right, he's really trying to be the the, the Vader to the Emperor. Yeah, he wants right? to be like Vader. He, yeah, part he, of his he, motivation. exactly. And so, yeah. and, and that is to essentially adopt this mentality of, I need to be trained by my master, 
right? Constantly, yeah. right? I need to just acknowledge that I'm lesser than this guy, right? And in some ways, you know, Ray kind of wants that too. Ray's saying, I need to be trained by Master Skywalker because, you know, he's the master and I'm not, right? So yeah. you've got this motif of an old mold, master-student relationship. It's been kind of hammered into us since the prequels, right? Yeah. Pre from one to six or one to seven. Both those things are, are extinguished in this in this trilogy. I mean, uh, uh, Kylo Ren kills Snow, and and Luke is yeah. really just doesn't really want to train Rey in the way that you would expect him to be trained. She certainly doesn't. He certainly doesn't train her like he was trained by Obi Wan and Yoda, right? And how Qui Gon and Obi Wan and Obi Wan and Anakin experience training. So this old way of doing things. This, like, you need a teacher. And even Kylo, remember, in Force... This just, just came to my mind, just talking to you now. In Force Awakens, when Kylo and Rey are having their lightsaber fight, what does Kylo say to Rey when they're, like, about, when, like, you know, the snow and everything? Kylo says, you need a teacher. I can teach you the ways of the Force. And then she has that kind of, like... And, you know, people said it was kind of cheesy, but she kind of goes... And closes her eyes, and she's like, "Damn, I'm gonna kick his ass!" Right now, the thing is, well, she remembers a key piece of advice in that moment, which was, which was something about when it's, I don't know, <laughs> but, I don't but 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 that's when it's the, dark. There's light, you know. Right. Or feel the force. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah, or or whatever it is. But but, <laughs> but but the point, but the point is though, is that he is then trying. So he, I don't think Kylo Ren really wants to be a student. I don't think he really does. I think no. he's struggling with. I need to be like Vader. But I also don't want to be. Well, their whole, like, the Sith guys of, like, let's control everything and dominate and hurt everyone. And right. I'm happy when people are, you know, feeling terrible. Especially Snoke actually, like, says that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I found kind of surprising. Right. Because a lot of the Siths, they don't say that. They don't say, well, I just want the galaxy to suffer. <laughs> right, right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But, but in a way, they both Kylo and Rey's experiences are unconventional in the grand scheme of yeah. things in terms of, like, the tra Force user being trained. Well, and my point is, like, yeah, so it doesn't really fit the Sith to be an apprentice for very long. No, it doesn't. Like, no, yeah, it doesn't. You know, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. And, and, and so they're really, and yet if you compare Kylo to, like, Darth Maul, Darth Maul was basically like, yeah, I'm going to do whatever my master wants. And Kylo Ren's like, I'm actually going to kill my master, right? Mm -hmm. Which, so really, they reject the old, the, the usual way of being trained. And and then you've got this, this, this idea that maybe the Sith, the Jedi... Whatever it is, they don't really necessarily need to be. Um, those organizations don't really need to exist, and if they don't need to be, if they don't need to exist, then where does that leave us? Well, it le it leads us into a place where people will start to pop up as force sensitive, and they don't need to be under this banner of this um, these usual organizations. Maybe sure. they can form something new, right? And this again goes with the Swedenborgian our Swedenborgian concept of the progression of churches or the progression of ages, right? So things were done in a certain way. Some things that, uh, then, 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 then those things end up coming to an end. Something new is born that might have some familiar connections to the old, the, the previous uh, organization, but it's actually pretty distinct. And I think that uh, that is represented in the film by, again, the unconventional ways in which the Force users go about being trained in the Force. But also, I think it's represented by that kid at the end being Force-sensitive. And it's kind of like, oh, so the slave kid is, is, uh, is Force-sensitive yeah. without any training at all whatsoever. So that, that's unique. And then the, the whole Jedi text, I love that. You know, Yoda's like, I'm just going to burn the sucker down. Right? Of course, Yoda knows it's not, they're not in there. He probably doesn't, right? He probably doesn't. We, Yoda yeah. himself doesn't actually indicate whether he knows it or not. He, right? Yeah, he clearly... I mean, okay, he knows, right? right? We weren't in there. Right, right. Okay. But, but, yeah, but that, that's, what, that's how it is. But isn't that great, though? So the idea of, like, burning those down, because it looks like we seem to burn everything, yeah. right, and destroy them. Well, because actually Yoda makes a kind of a joke Are in a sure? sense. Because he says Ray has all the information with her or whatever. That's right. I mean, it's it seems to mean she already has what she needs to know. He says something like that. Yeah, he, right. Yeah, right. But but at a time, you're kind of like, it's like a dope. Like, it's like, yeah, the dual meaning there. She has all the books. Right, yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's something to be said, because if this theme, again, it's sort of like just because... So there's that major theme of let the past die or burn the past down, right? And it's interesting, because both Luke and Kylo have that attitude, right? Um, you know, Luke, Luke says the Jedi need to end. 
Ray, or uh, Kylo tells Ray he's going to burn the past down. So actually both uncle and nephew are on the same page about this. Yeah. It's really interesting. But by the end of the film, you find out that Ray does have the books, like you said. So even though there's this theme of the past needs to go away, we need to shed those old, that old skin. We need to have wa- new wine and new wine skins, yeah. right? Um, and yet, it's can, still wine. We can, yeah, <laughs> but we but we can never get away from the past one hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I think is very smooth origin because we say what like, we're the new church, at least in our version. Well, some of us, some that. of us say that. But you know, for those of us in our branch of the denomination, we're, we're, we're comfortable with saying, yeah. We're, we have these fresh ideas, but we're not going to ignore the stuff that comes before us, uh, which I think fits what we see in The Last Jedi. It's like, but I think people have that tension, that tension of how much of the past do we hold on to and how much of a new progression do we go into the future? Yeah. Right? And I think that tension plays out in our theology. Mm. You know, um, at least that's how I see it. So yeah. I no, that's, those are great thoughts. Yeah, for me, I don't know either. I haven't really thought, like, how, do, how would I relate all these things to my own spirituality? I mean, clearly, light, darkness, all that stuff, yeah. you know, has a bearing. Um, what I love about, like, Swedenborgianism is that instead of making it about labels, it's about, you know, recognizing, well, not necessarily having to recognize this, but, like, trying to recognize uh, the good qualities in you that are from divinity and, and motivating them and, and empowering them and, and overcoming your more selfish or material desires. And so clearly that's like painted large across Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, I don't know how I would relate each detail to, to my life necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I love about like looking at it as like a symbolic thing about just yourself or someone else or maybe an organization, is that you can look at all these characters as you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that for me helps to transcend like certain like racial barriers and like gender types of things and then also just gives me a little bit more um, illumination about my own spirit like which part of me could be behaving like this character yeah. or, or in this way and instead of always othering mm-hmm. anything that I don't really want to relate to myself sure. it's kind of like internalizing saying like well this could be part of me right um, yeah. and I think recognizing that in general like running into someone who you may not exactly look up to or, or has or is behaving in a way that seems a little despicable to you and recognizing like that could be me. Mm-hmm. That could be part of me, that maybe is part of me now. And and actually a lot of times when we judge people, it's because we're projecting. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so I like looking at like any film like that because it just it's like a it's like a mirror mm-hmm. to hold up to yourself. And I think it's powerful when you recognize it as yeah. such, right? Yeah. Absolutely, and I think the characters in The Last Jedi, I think there's another thing about The Last Jedi that stood out to me as being unique and different from the other films, is that The Last Jedi kind of makes the playing field in terms of the motivation of the characters, or, the, or what the characters want, what are their goals. The goals are really similar. Like I said, you know, Luke and Kylo both think the past needs to be burned down and destroyed, and, uh, and it needs to die off. Right. The Jedi, it's time for the Jedi to end. Kylo says the past needs to be burned down. Or, or I don't think he says burned down, but, but I think he says the past, the past needs to die. Kill it if you have to, right? Yeah. So for the first time, I think, ever in a Star Wars movie, you've got a good guy and a bad guy essentially saying the same thing. Yeah. Now, in terms of like how they're going to go about that, of course, <laughs> that's different. But it does make you wonder, like, oh, so you can have the same goal. But what makes you different is how you're going to actually operate to achieve that goal. Well, and why? Like, why exactly. do you have that goal? Exactly. Yeah. But, the, but at the core, the goal is basically the same, right? And, that, and I don't think I've ever seen that in yeah. Star Wars. I think the closest thing to projection, right, that is um, in Empire Strikes Back when, when Luke goes down into that dark place in, on Dagobah and he's fighting Suspension. Vader and then he cuts the head off and then it explodes yeah. and it's him. So that, that's sort of a motif of like the shadow self or the projection, right? Um, and I, but I think, but really that's about it, you know? And then yeah. we come to these sequels and we're seeing projection or at least we're seeing like, you know, uh, you know uh, Luke saying, oh, well, you know, he's, he's been corrupted by the dark side or he's being corrupted by the dark side being Ben Solo. Well, then he has that error of judgment because how does he want to solve that problem? He wants to kill his nephew. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, well, who's being evil then at that point? 
Is it Ben Solo who Luke can sense is being seduced by the dark side but hasn't actually done anything yet? Or is Luke the bad guy because for a brief moment, for about 30 seconds, he was going to murder his own nephew? Well, and, and is it, yeah, is it so black and white, right? Right, yeah, I don't think exactly. it is. Yeah. I don't think it is. Yeah. Right. And so, well, and he kind of has that realization himself. Like, right. I was really close to going too far right. because of this. And, but, you know, Ray actually retorts, he's still the one who betrayed you. Or at least yeah. he murdered, like, all these other yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, he, right? he did a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. so, very, very simple. You can, yeah. <laughs> well, and it, it does show, like, the inner relatedness of criminality and striking out and, and everything, right? Exactly. Like, there's something that we learn about in, you know, in, in like pastoral care, or, you know, classes that have to do with the counseling with like, uh, you know, looking at family systems and not just looking at families, but looking at groups as like family systems. And yeah. instead of labeling one person that you know as the problem, right. like looking at it more holistically, right. um, and that has a lot of benefits, right? And if you look at it that way, you can kind of relate all of that to what we were talking about earlier and how like, our societal constructs can really uh, influence people in, in terrible ways. Yeah. You know, but then we end up blaming them for how they end up behaving. And it, you know, it is on them what they did. Um, but the name of the game is Reformation Healing. It's not punishing all the wrongs being done because honestly, it would never end. Yeah. 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 Well said. Yeah, so do you is there any chance uh, uh, um, Kylo Ren could be reformed? Well I think I think that's a I think that's a question. I think that people are, are of course are now hypothesizing because one thing another big critique of Brian Johnson was, you know, it's kinda of like the movie ends and you're like, Where's this gonna go? <laughs> right? It's kind of like we don't really have no idea where this is gonna go. Right, JJ Abrams taking the helm again, right? Right, he is. Yeah. And so and I think some people are, are happy about that. Um, and it seems like, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's if that's the message. It is redemption, right? Because we no, saw yeah. redemption with Vader. We did, that's true. And and, and yet Kylo and his quest to be like Vader is acting unlike Vader. Right, because Vader uh, doesn't kill his master until the very end. Kylo kind of does it prematurely, which shocked the heck out of a lot of people. You know, I thought it was a great story move to kill. But he still does it to save the person he wants to kind of adopt. That's true. That's true. So maybe he is in, 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 a, in, a, in a unique way. He's still kind of following those steps. That's and, funny. And, yeah. Because I don't know if he even knew that about Vader. Like, do you think he knew that? He didn't seem to believe that Vader turned on the Emperor. From my yeah, that's an interesting impression. point. It's a, and that's something that's really uncertain because you know when Ray's talking with Luke, Ray seems to know yeah. kind of the whole the whole story. Like Ray kind of is like, well, but you sense good in him, and Ray's trying to tell Luke that that's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling that there's still good in Ben Solo, right? Yeah. So we should be able to relate relate on this point, right, Luke? <laughs> right? Uh, and Luke's like, no, don't do it, man. You know, and kind of acting like Obi Wan and Yoda saying, don't go, don't go. Well, right? yeah, I mean, she you know? definitely put herself in a really vulnerable position because. She could have easily have been murdered. True. Like she didn't really have a chance to escape up on her own mm -hmm. in that situation. Right. So I don't know. I don't know what the future is going to hold for Kylo Ren, but I do think he's a very intriguing character. I think Adam Driver, who's the actor who's portraying Kylo Ren, is a very great actor. I mean, I again going with a villain that you can kind of feel for. So this is like a comparison of Black Panther. I, I do think the villain of Black Panther had way more depth, at least on screen depth that Kylo Ren has had. Although, although I was thinking about this, like, yeah. so Kylo Ren has, we know more about Kylo Ren than we ever did about Vader in the original trilogy. True. You know what I mean? True. Like we, Kylo Ren has like a deep, like, you know, philosophical, conversational presence, mm -hmm. at least in this newest one. Right. Darth Vader never had that many yeah. just like lines that sure. seem to reveal who he was. Sure. I mean, he might have a moment where it like looks like he's thinking about what he's doing. And we like read a lot into that moment. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But come to think of it, the most fundamental thing he really says is, uh, "No, I am your father." And then yeah. in Return of the Jedi, he's got a few lines when he's having a pep talk with Luke before he takes him off to to the Emperor, right? But that, yeah, that's true. There's not a lot of dialogue that Vader has that's super significant in terms of like telling us about who he is. But there's enough dialogue rolling around Kylo Ren where you get a, you do you do get a good sense of who he is yeah. and what happened to him, and then having the flashback sequences. In the Last Jedi, really solidifies that. But but really, it's it's you know, I, I do say about this film, and why I do think this is why the sequels are definitely better than the prequels, 
is the acting is better. <laughs> Way better. I mean, Adam Driver... Dare we say the directing's better? <laughs> yeah, I, arguably so. I mean, you know, people might critique the story, but the directing, the visual, yeah. the acting, I think is really superior. Well, and, I, and let's not leave out uh, one of the key best performances by Daisy Ridley herself. Uh, Ray is such an amazing character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people sometimes forget that she was spending for herself, and I know people have talked about this, so I'm not saying I'm the first to get to it, but uh, she was fending for herself for a long time. Right. You know, she was already a fighter. So I, I saw some things where like, people were wondering why she's she able Sue. to fight back. She's a Mary Sue. Yeah, yeah, right? She, yeah, she can just do things. She just does it. Like, right, how's that right, possible? Right, but right. she was actually really badass. Yes, she was. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah, a good point. Before she, yeah. And, she, and, and, and I do think she's either the same age as Luke when he's in New Hope, it's hard to tell Demi how old she's supposed to be in this trilogy. She's certainly older than Anakin was, obviously. I mean, she's, she's either a late teen or in her early 20s, give or take. And isn't it um, horrific they just left Anakin's mom there to be, like, slave trader? Yeah, and, like, what? Well, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad, yeah. Uh, but that's... But but really, though, that is that is something to think about. Is that race And then what kind of... Sorry, I, I'm just... Like, no, no, go ahead. What, what kind of, like, order is the Jedi order when they, like, don't try to squash, like, slavery. We could easily villainize the Jedis if we really wanted to, there, to look at all the things that were going on. There are people who have done yeah. that, yeah. Okay. I certainly have seen problems with the Jedi Order just looking at it objectively, and that's why when I did hear in the trailer Luke say, it's time for the Jedi to end, when I heard that, I was kind of like, it's about time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. 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 No, I think it's, uh, there's so much we can pull out from this, and I think yeah. it's, it's a good thing that both these films are inspiring so much conversation. I, I do think it's kind of unfortunate when people get so invested in it that it's going to like start affecting friendships and things like that. But it just shows you how important these things are for people, right? I yeah. mean, these living mythologies, like I mentioned earlier, Marvel, Star Wars, these are these are these are like the modern legends, and I think yeah. we have a tendency to super value these things and 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 really want them to be. Uh, you know, and I and I think that for people in, in, in a secular age like we're in right now, um, these stories are really important for people, and they take them oh, yeah. very seriously. You know, yeah. um, well, that's why I think it's really beautiful when you can kind of relate these stories to your own progression towards the light. Um, yeah, and and so you can really get into these stories, but as you talk about them, instead of getting upset, or I mean, not instead of, but like having it inform okay, like, what's my motivation here? I'm getting upset with Colin because he's disagreeing with me <laughs> about this. It's right. like, if you're relating it to, like, reforming your own motivations and heart, then there's, like, some part of you that's like, okay, so this relationship, these relationships, this whole thing is more important than my opinion yeah. about this. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I think, I think those are some, uh, potentially some nice closing words, perhaps, for, <laughs> for, yeah. for this episode. Well, this is nice, like, a little riffing. I think... Like future episodes, we'll have some guests on. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. That can help break our transcendence. Yes. Uh, yes. A little more. Absolutely. I look this was to. cool. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, until next time. Till next time. Cool. Right. Bye. Bye.